Glory be to our great God. We are in the series on vitality and vision, and we come to my mind what is the, the key passage last week and next week as well, or the next sermon in the series as well. But, um, but this is at the center of all of it. So uh, let's go, let's listen to the Word of God from chapter 22 of the Gospel of Matthew. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, guide us. It's hard to imagine considering the fullness of that command. But guide us as we think upon it now. Move in each one of our hearts and lives. Guide my words. Guide all of us as we stand before your word and seek you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so let's go back a little bit. We are in this series on vitality and vision, and it's, it's prompted by being a church in the middle of the transitional process, and we need to be focused on the true source of vitality as a church and pursue a, a, a vision why we are here and, and what are we doing. But frankly, I, I got to say, this is even more important to be living each one of our lives this way, not just the church, but each one of us with vitality and vision, not just meandering around like children, as Paul says, tossed by waves and blown about by deceitful schemes. Last week, I preached on Peter's confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that's why we do everything. This week, we're going to focus on ourselves and our response to who Jesus is. And we'll, we call this the great commandment because this is what God wants wants from us. We know about a lot of other commandments, but this, this is at the center of the mall. You get this, the rest will come to you. This is what God wants from you. He wants your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to love Him above any other love. He wants, to love, he wants you to love him with everything, all your heart, soul, and mind, 
everything. In a couple of weeks, the next passage in this series we're going to take a look at is, is the Great Commission. Remember, at the beginning of this series, I spoke of the vision for any church is, is right in Scripture, and as Rick Warren puts it, it, it's a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission that makes a great church. All this past week at the, the general assembly of our denomination, we focused, honestly, on the great commission. It's the mission statement for our church. It's what we do. We go make disciples. And we'll take a close look at that in a couple of weeks. But here's what that means. People who love God help other people love God. Jesus, is, Jesus finishes that command by saying, baptize them, bring them into the family, and, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is what he has commanded us. This is what he wants from us. First, to love him. And then to love your neighbors, which is everyone. There's uh, such a great picture of this right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John that gets right to the heart of what it means to love God. Two of John the Baptist's followers, one of whom is Andrew, Peter's brother, they see Jesus going by and they follow him. James K.A. Smith talks about it. Well, Jesus turns around when he sees these two guys following him, and he asks them, what do you want? What do you want? James K.A. Smith is a young philosopher at Calvin College who has written a, a recently influential book that I would recommend to any of you called You Are What You Love. And he writes about this story of Jesus asking these two following him what they want. He writes, it's the question that is buried under almost every other question Jesus asks each of us. Will you come and follow me is another version of what do you want? As is the fundamental question that Jesus asks of his errant disciple Peter, do you love me? He goes on writing, Jesus doesn't encounter Matthew and John or you and me and asks, what do you know? Doesn't even ask, what do you believe? He asks, what do you want? This is the most incisive, piercing question Jesus can ask of us precisely because we are what we want. Smith described, goes on to describe discipleship in the church as the work of curating our wants, our desires. Discipleship is not first about our knowledge or our behavior. Those things are going to follow upon our wants, our loves, because, if, because it is our wants, our desires, ultimately, that define us. That's where our heart and our soul is. What we care to know and do flows from our heart. When we get this backwards, we lose our way. 
we become judgmental and we become works-oriented. Unfortunately, this is more and more the world's picture, understanding of, our, of the church in America, that we want everyone to, to think like us or to behave the way we want them to behave. That's not what we need to be about. This is what we want for people, to see Jesus. As John says, we lift him up, and if they can just see him, we know they will fall in love with God. Augustine, the fifth century philosopher, captured that biblical understanding of human identity in the great commandment. He said something many of you probably have already heard. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. God created us more than anything else to love him, to love him. We were made not just by him, but to be for him. The greatest meaning of being human is to be in a relationship with God, to be in love with God. Knowing, knowing this gives us the eyes to see why Jesus is so important. It's because Jesus breaks down every barrier to us loving God the way we were created to. He covers our shame in his death on the cross. He is victorious over death in the resurrection. And in everything that we can see in him, we see God's love for us. A love so amazing, so divine, it demands our soul, our life, our all. It, it, it fuels and ignites our love for God when we see Jesus. We love him because he first loved us, created us in, in all of creation's beauty, in its complexity, in its vastness. He saved us from the very beginning. We turned our love away from God, and the plan and the work of redemption began, a plan that led to God becoming human, a man, and dying for us on the most cruel and unjust cross. And now, he calls those who love him his own children, his beloved, heirs of the kingdom of God. Boy, when you think of that, anything else, any other loves, are just going to leave us wanting anything but the love of God is not going to satisfy that there are no substitutes for loving God that are going to satisfy this need to be in a relationship with him our, our, our hearts humans hearts cannot not love we're going to give our hearts to something to someone Smith writes this about, about it. You can't not love. 
So the question isn't whether you will love something as ultimate. The question is, what will you love as ultimate? And you are what you love. Many of us, I hope you have been blessed to know people who, when you see them, you see somebody who loves God. They may have been old saints. I've been blessed to know people who are brilliant in the knowledge of God, professors of New and Old Testament who not only know the things of God and the Word of God beyond what I could ever imagine to know, but their heart has been bigger than their knowledge. They know that much. They've been pursuing that much simply because they love God so deeply. But you don't have to be a genius to love God. The most simple of people as well, children, people who have very little left, even seeing people at the end of Alzheimer's where really all that seems to be left is God, their love for God. I'm going to pick on Reuben for a minute. Um, because I have spent nearly every minute of the last week with this man, and uh, at least until Friday and then a little bit yesterday as well. And honestly, I should be sick of him. Um, anytime you spend that much time around someone, and I would, be, I would perfectly understand if you're a little bit tired of me. But honestly, this is what exudes from him. He loves God. And, and because of that, he loves people. And it's not just in his enjoyment of being with people as an extrovert who had trouble winding down at the end of the long day of being with a thousand people for 14 hours. He, he just couldn't get enough of it. What really got him energized, though, was seeing and sharing the love of God among that whole group of people with all those people. But also, it was, it was fun to be with him and see people interact with him because so often a conversation would come up about tattoos. Uh, written all over his body is his love for God. If you ever ask him about what they mean, it's all a reflection of his love for God. Remember the passage, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, everything. Make that who you are. I'm not saying you got to get tattoos. God will give you your own expression of how you love him. Blaise Pascal, the famous mathematician and believer, said, you have to, you have to wager it's not up to you. You are already committed. You have to go all in on something. Make God what you're all in on. Honestly, he's the only good bet. Make him the direction you are headed. It's like the series that we're in the middle of on the Song of Ascents. Make worshiping God in, in the fullness of his presence where you are headed. 
This is what you want more than anything else. He is your first and ultimate love. When you see Jesus walk by, follow him. And when he turns around and asks you what you want, tell him, I want to be with you. I want to follow you everywhere, forever. Here's the most the first and most important thing that is going to happen when God is your first love, you'll take on his loves as well. Having God as your first love doesn't mean that you, you're not going to have any other loves. It does, not, it does mean that all those other loves are going to be informed by what he loves. And all your loves and desires are going to be in the right place when they are directed by God's love. Your heart will be in order. You'll have the same love for the world and the, and the people in it that Jesus has, that God has. And I'm not going to say as much about this part of the great commandment right now because we're going to be focusing on this in the coming weeks. But right out of this great commandment is going to come our mission as Christians and as a church, the great commission. It, it's the primary way that we can best love others. It's to help each other love God together. And there are lots of ways to do that, as, as many as there are ways that God loves and cares for us. We'll be focusing on this in coming weeks, but central to, to it is the great commandment to love God. Funny thing is, this great commandment didn't originate with Jesus. Just about everyone Jesus interacts with during his earthly ministry already knows this great commandment. It is so central. They are commanded in the Old Testament to write it on their doorposts and on their foreheads. This passage, where it comes from in the Old Testament, has a name to it. It is called the Shema. It, it's the Hebrew word that is the first word in the passage in Deuteronomy. It, it's the command given by God to Moses. And the first word is Shema. It means listen. To me, it's, it's, it's an onomatopoeia. It, it sounds like what it means. I, I don't know if this is where we get the expression to shush. Stop and listen. To me, it has the effect of saying, if you don't pay attention to anything else, if you're a little ADHD, a little human, and, and you can't digest this whole Old Testament or Bible, this 34-chapter book that this statement is written in in Deuteronomy, or even the Ten Commandments in the previous chapter, shema this. Because this is what we are here for. This is the most important thing. This is what God wants from us and for us. He wants us to love him. Everything else is about this. It's about whether we are moving in this direction or any other direction. The definition of sin is, is moving in any other direction. Evangelism is, is simply introducing someone to a God who loves them in the hopes of igniting their love for him. 
Discipleship is, is simply the intention to move in this direction together. It's why disciples make disciples. All of us being discipled together. Worship. Worship is simply focusing on our hearts, either on God when we're worshiping Him, or whatever else we focus our love on, we are worshiping that. Always, as we do the work of being the church, we need to remember it is about loving God and loving others. Any vision we have is going to be about facilitating us loving God. Introducing that love to others, facilitating that love with each other, our vision is going to be about how we are going to do that right here, right now, in 2023, in and around this building, in Kent, in Renton, in Seattle, in the Northwest, and around the world. Can you name and see in your life your ultimate desire, your preoccupation, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your first love. Here's how you fall in love with God. Look to Jesus. See Him walking by. Follow Him. And, and the more you see and follow and spend time with and live with Jesus, the more your love for God will grow. For he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and he loves you. He loves you not because you're worthy, He loves you because you are his creation, his child. He loves you more than you could ask or imagine. He loves you with the whole love of God. And all he wants and asks from us and for us is that we love him too. Let's pray. Lord, it is at the, both, at, at the same time both the simplest thing when it all just comes down to this and the most enormous thing because it changes everything when we see you and the enormity of your love for us and the enormity of that love's call upon us for our love for you to be the first thing our first thing that we live that we share that people would see in us more than anything else God may we be people who love you with our whole heart soul mind and strength And everything else will flow from that, God. For we trust you and love you in everything. God, thank you for your word. (laughs) May it be our guide 
as simple as this command is, all our lives. We pray this in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord. Amen.